Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. Dave. Internet, hello. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with Good Thing. Uh, Real quick, Good Thing is Dave and Tori's intros this week were cute. Uh, But Craig, what's your real good thing? Man, I never get a cute intro. (laughs) You could. Uh, That's true. Um, I'm just going to keep it simple. Terraria is still my good thing. I'm playing it a lot. That's all I'm doing with my life. I play Terraria. Honestly, I don't watch TV. we we watch a little bit of Monk. That's that's all I've done this week. And I go to work. Well, I work remotely and I play Terraria. It's Monk at S. And when he says he works remotely, uh, hopefully no one from your work is listening. Uh, he's playing Terraria. No, I'm not. I don't play during work hours. Work hour. <laughs> work hour, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm also playing a lot of Terraria. I accidentally started hard mode. Didn't really mean to, but I summoned the Wall of Flesh and then beat it rather than teleporting back to town. And now I'm in hard mode when I wasn't quite wanting to be yet. Yeah, we're playing on expert mode. I decided not to try master because we're not that crazy yet. But um, maybe eventually we'll try master mode. I'm still holding off on journey mode. I do want to try it, but I kind of wanted to get a like vanilla playthrough first. Well, journey is sort of like creative Terraria. Sort of. Like, you start with bad wings, which helps a lot in the early game. Yeah. Uh, And then, like, you can adjust the difficulty on the fly, and, like, you can spawn things that you've gotten before. Like, it's... It's sort of like you want to explore what Terraria has to offer without really going through all the trouble. Yeah. Uh, Which, which, again, I'm I'm intending to do. I just, I want to get a real playthrough first. But we're we're nearing the end of our expert mode run. We we have a couple of bosses and challenges to beat still, but we're getting up there, and we're also getting at the point where we're usually more powerful than the things we need to tackle. Which for a while it was the other way, especially with I, I assume with master modes even worse. But where you are just not ready for whatever boss or thing you have to do. It's just like there's more you wish you had. But now we're sort of getting over the curve. I say this right now, but right right now we're sort of over the power hump, and it's it's pretty good. Have you guys done uh, Moon Lord yet? No, that's that's why I, I'm aware of what I'm saying and how that's going to change. But hey, we're, we're pretty good right now. Okay, I I haven't done any of the mechanical bosses yet, but like all of the pre hard mode stuff, I was well overpowered for. Like I we, knew we what were it was. Having- we were having some trouble with the mechanical, well, with the twins at first, which should be the easiest of the mechanical bosses, but we eventually figured it out by collecting a couple of things. I actually had a goblin invasion that I had to deal with by myself, but luckily that dropped a couple of uh, improvements because hard mode goblin invasion drops different things. And we had the Skeletron Prime pop up at one point, like, all right, we're just going to have to deal with this. We're probably going to die because we weren't prepared at all. And then we were fine. That was the easiest of the mechanical bosses for us. For some weird reason, it just was like, this was easy. 
I've always found the Destroyer to be the easiest of the mechanical bosses, just because, like, his movement is really predictable, and it's pretty easy to cheese as long as you've got, like, a piercing weapon. Yeah, yeah, he he's good because, and especially because the little lasers drop hearts, that goes a long way. Like, the twins don't drop hearts, so if you're not prepared to heal, you can have a lot of trouble. And then Skeletron Prime is really all about, you know, setting up your arena, which is yeah. your Hecavator, basically. Just, just drop, use a weapon that passes through blocks, and he'll be dead before he can do, like, 100 damage Is that what you, you do? Oh, yeah, it's super easy. I've never tried it. I just have a standard arena with some platforms and a nice running spot, which is enough to, like, run back and forth, kill off his hands, and then kill him once he has no hands. Like, he's not that bad. That also works, but you got to put more effort into it. You do. Uh, But this is the first time I'm doing a mage playthrough, and I usually do melee. This time I'm doing mage, and wow, it's a lot, a lot of fun. A lot more powerful, I feel. I've been uh, mostly yo-yos, some flails, and right now I have... Flails are really good now. Right now I have a really good sword that dropped that was just way too good not to start using. Which sword is it? Uh, The one that does, like, the the Iker debuff. Okay. Like, it shoots out, like, if you hit something, it shoots out a beam that that does the Iker debuff, which is minus 20 defense, so it's it's super good. good. You can make the that Iker debuff for all of your melee weapons, which is a great thing, because it's super easy to, to make, so. Oh, uh, yeah, Jake, you can play with yo-yos. In fact, uh, with the right setup, they're, they're some of the best melee weapons in the whole game. Yeah, there, there's a lot of accessories you can do to improve your yo-yos, and they're sort of ridiculous if you get really good at using them. Plus, some of the yo-yos that are in the game you can buy in real life. Yeah, the uh, Terraria. Terraria in the update where they introduced yo-yos uh, also had a tie into like a real yo-yo manufacturer. So you can get your real yo-yo in the game, or you can get your yo-yo from the game in real life, depending on which direction you're coming at it from. Uh, so yeah, so yeah that was Craig's it. good thing that I talked for half of it. <laughs> uh, so Dave, what's what's your good thing? I didn't realize there were yo-yos and flails and magic in any video game besides Star Tropics. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> um, my good thing this week is another mobile puzzle game. This one is called Flow Water 3D Fountain Puzzle. It's oh, I've played a this puzzle game. It's a puzzle game slash soothing fountain simulator. It's just really relaxing to listen to. <laughs> while you're playing it i find that there's a fine line between a soothing relaxing game and a boring one and this one went on the boring end for me i would recommend doing the higher difficulty levels like just just skip the easy stuff and start on like the uh i I really like the pools level set but yeah like i started doing basic like the started out i was like okay this is this is relaxing but too easy but then like the higher level ones are decently challenging like i haven't gotten to the top top ones but even if you start in the middle it's it's uh entertaining but yeah it's uh got relaxing sounds and basically just you have to build aqueducts to connect uh flowing water to fountains that's pretty much it yep uh so my good thing this week is uh the weather was finally nice 
We were able to find some cheap hamburgers and hot dogs, and we did some grilling last night. And my wife and I grilled. Well, she did the grilling. She's she's the griller in the family. Uh, but yeah, we we grilled a bunch of burgers, a bunch of hot dogs, some um, brat burgers, which are super duper good. And those are just going to be dinner for like three more days because we did a bunch of them. And they're great. Rot burgers? Yeah. Uh, patties made out of the same like pork that they use in bratwurst. Oh, brat burgers. I thought you said rot burgers. Like old Add moldy burgers. No. No. The the good version of that, not the bad one. But they're, they are super tasty. Holy crap. It it literally tastes like you're eating a bratwurst, except it's on a patty, so you can have a hamburger bun with, you know, lettuce and tomato and whatever else you put on there. So, that's my good thing. Tori? Well, you guys know I like my Marvel movies, because I've used different ones as my good thing over the course of this podcast, as, as the movies have come out. Um, this week... I got a wild hair and decided to have a Marvel movie marathon starting in with Iron Man and going through in order of release. Wow. And uh, so I'm up to Avengers by now. I've mentioned before that I don't have an attention span anymore. So I only watch like 30 minutes at a time. But, you know, Disney Plus keeps track of where you leave off. So, like, um, yeah, it's taken me a week to get through Iron Man 1 and 2 and Thor and Captain America. And I'm on Avengers today. And, um, Did yeah, you skip I'm really Hulk? enjoying it. Uh, yeah, because it's not on Disney Plus. It like, isn't? Uh, I don't think so. I am upset at that. I didn't realize it wasn't on Disney Plus. I haven't gone looking yet, but yeah, I could go looking. But um, that makes me sad. So, um, I mean, I could just watch it on DVD instead. But who does that anymore, really? I mean, I have streaming services so that I don't have to go digging through DVDs to put one in. Exactly. But I'm really enjoying it. It's super fun. Uh, I I haven't watched some of these movies in a couple of years, so um, yeah, that's my good thing. Uh yeah, the wife and I are planning on doing a an MCU rewatch uh soonish. I don't know when we're going to start, but probably not too long from now. And then after that, I believe we have a Pixar rewatch uh planned, which there are a number of those movies that neither of us have seen, so it'll be interesting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Man, I Dis need more time. Disney Plus has way too much good stuff on it. I'm I'm still mad about it. It's mm, freaking Disney. Why do you have to You're own all the good entertainment? Too many good things. I'm mad that Disney has such a stranglehold on the entertainment industry. Yeah. And is responsible for our absolutely bonkers copyright law currently. That's true. But those aren't good things, so I'll stop talking about them. Uh, instead, why don't we have Dave start talking about a bunch of chapters that he read this week? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Today, this week, we read... In Brandon Sanderson's The Way of Kings, chapters 61 through 66. A lot of shorter chapters here, but no shortage of stuff going on. Let me tell you what. So chapter 61 starts off with a picture of a 10-gem bracelet. Some kind of Fabriel, I guess. It's got 10 gems in it. So it's not a, a Soulcaster only has three gems. And this just goes on the wrist. And... I think this is Shallan's handwriting, but it's just scribble. It's not real letters. Or maybe they're like EKGs. If there's a drawing, it's probably Shallan's. Uh, that is a Lethe script. And that was the thing I was going to look up. Uh, 
and I'm not 100% sure how to find that because fans have done translations of of like what that says by working out the Alethi script and I was going to find that and I've now just remembered about it and I'm not sure that I can find that. We remembered. I think she just has bad handwriting or it's just like fake writing to make it, you think that stuff. Well, actually, the stuff that she does write in English is pretty hard to read. So you got this thing. There's there's 10 different gems, I guess, because 10 the magic number on Roshar. And it's like there are different formations that you can have where three of them are lit up or something. So it probably does different stuff based on which combination of three gems you use. I'm not sure because, again, can't find the translation. I know someone has done it. I'm not sure what magic combination of words I need to put into Google to make that happen. I mean, if I could actually tell, I might be able to solve it like a cryptogram, actually. I should be able to do this. That'll be my homework. Oh, I have. Sometimes it's hard to tell what's a letter. I have additional homework for you, then. Mm. My additional homework is very light, though. you'll, You'll get through it in no time. Do go on. I'll let you know when we get to the part where it's relevant. Okay. Chapter 61. Right for wrong. Could Hesina be Dalinar's wife? That would make Adeline and Kaladin sisters. Renarin's mom told stories about Makibaki, or Makabaki, which are like rock people, and Tien liked rocks. So, hmm, makes you think. Pain Drinker sounds like a heavy metal band. Dalin Navani. Zeth is at it again. Regicide Jones, they should call him. Have you heard of the twisted things men say when they die? I have. They're in the chapter headings. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so um chapter sixty one, Dalinar and Navani kiss. The end. Any questions? Yay. Is this a kissing <laughs> book? <laughs> this chapter is. So they refer to the the thing that took away the pain or numb the pain. They referred to that as the Fabriel, they refer to that as a pain drinker. Which sounds like the name of a like a giant axe, like pain drinker. They don't call it oh, pain no. drinker. I made the ten soon. Pain real. Maybe on the Reddit. No, I thought that's what I read. Well, maybe it's different in the British version then. Pain drinker. Uh, I remember it being called a pain real, and I'm pretty sure I'd remember pain drinker. But yeah, I would absolutely maybe. go on a 25 man raid for, to have a chance to roll for pain drinker. <laughs> what chapter is right. this? That, that's got to be just a localization difference, and it is an interesting one. What page is that on? It's like right before they kiss. Yeah, I, Google doesn't even return anything for pain drinker. I think you must <laughs> have misread it. There's not misremembered that. No, you're like I would call this pain drinker. Okay, I'm finding the art via Google, but it's all like Pinterest, which doesn't work but not like this is frustrating it might just be what adeline calls it one time like that's probably not the official name of it or born from rocks that was after that aha i found i found a thing with the translation let me see if i can get it big enough that i can actually read it oh okay it says navani walked over to fetch her pain drinking fabriel <laughs> so so clearly it's called pain drink <laughs> called it pain drink okay like, close enough are you guys ready to hear the translation of the alethi script on the art splash page 
Oh, yes, yeah. please. I, I yeah. also have the translation in front of me. I found it. Do you want to read it then, Craig? You have way more opportunity to mispronounce things. If I'm looking at... What? Am I looking at the right one? Probably. We won't know until you tell us. It says at the top, examples of stormlight patterns. That's what I've no. got, yeah. Okay, so this is it. And then patterns of stormlight filtered through the Fabriel determine the power of the gem. Is, is this what you see? That is what I see. Fabrials allow creation of things like the emotion bracelet made of the Fabrials working together. And on the left, it says the pattern cannot be seen by the naked eye. And on the right, it says man betrayed by a close friend. <gasps> That's the first. That'll outline. never happen. And in this woman book. who has just been proposed to. And then man who discovered his betrothed. Lied to him, him, looks like. Mother at wedding of only son. And then at the bottom, it lists all the different gems. So from the top left going, we'll go counterclockwise, anticipation, anger, disgust, sadness, continuing over to the right-hand side, surprise, fear, trust, and joy. And then in the middle, we have love and hate. And at the bottom, it says the trick of the emotion, Fabrials, is first to tell if the bracelet is reading your emotions, your subjects learning to read it, and second, what? Second learning emotions or the emotions of the people in the next room over. So apparently this is a Fabriel that lights up in different patterns depending on the emotions of either whoever's wearing it or whoever they're nearby. It's a mood bracelet. It's it just a mood ring. That's all it does. It just finds the spren in the area. GG. Yeah, basically. So this script, this is N Navani wrote this. Because, I mean, it's Fabriel, so Navani. It's still possible Shalon drew it. I mean, nah, you, you can tell, because it's not as as good as if Shalon drew it. Navani did draw the um, the picture of the, the tower battle, so. Right. One of Navani's um, Ardens could have drawn it. Sure. Yeah, Navani hates drawing. Oh, no, wait, Yasna hates drawing. Yasna hates drawing. Yeah. Yasna is dismissive of drawing. Cool. And then they kissed. <laughs> Any questions about chapter 61? About time. Time. Where's the sports? The sports were last sports chapter. Ball? They had the tools. That was in uh, Warbreaker. We had sports ball. I thought that was hockey ball. I forget what we called it. You called it hockey ball. I called it hockey AFK. ball. I called it hockey ball. Chapter 62. Three glyphs. 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 Wait, Three. wait, wait. Before we, be we continue... Dave, when did you do the reading of these chapters this week? Do you, like, do it through the course of the whole week? Or did you, like, read it all at once? This time, I read most of it two days ago. I think I read one chapter yesterday, and I read the last chapter this morning. Okay. Wait, did I remember to read it? I hope so. 66 was the last one, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. Or either that or these notes magically appeared on my Google Doc. <laughs> <laughs> this is, sounds, sounds like something I would write. I'll use it. <laughs> we have access to right, Google Doc, don't we? Tori does. No. Tori might. Tori had access to the Warbreaker one. I don't know if I gave her a link to this one. So no, theoretically. I, I don't think that's come up. Theoretically, we could get access to your Google Doc and then put in notes for you that you don't <laughs> have any way of knowing if you wrote or not. Okay, but Ruin. Sound like Dave wrote it. That's the tricky part. Speaking of this, um, in the episode that we released today, we were talk I made a joke about someone editing copper mines, and I just realized, like, now that Sezed has the shards on Skadriel, 
Like anytime you write something, it will just go and proofread it for you instantly as soon as oh, you write something down. Yeah, I know. Like how how great would that be? I bet that's how he would use his ability to change writing power. <laughs> so chapter 62. So write your first draft in aluminum, people. Chapter 62, Three Glyphs. I just realized that Kaladin chapters are basically episodes of Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> oh sure. my gosh. <laughs> Uh, the Lopin prefers the single deuce. Water fight. Shen is in the back and won't see Kaladin desecrate his brethren. I was wrong about that. Bullet hell minigame. That's one way to get rid of Matal. Teft is where he belongs. Kaladin is not cursed. Yay? Who is Tara? Bridge four is almost bridge done for. But then Dalinar is like, what's up? Chapter 62. Uh, they're getting <laughs> ready for this. <laughs> well, they're getting ready for this assault, and one of the foot soldiers is like, "Give me, give me your water. I want a sip of your water, you stinky bridge guy." And uh, Kaladin doesn't want to start a fight, but he also doesn't want uh, this to be the norm where people are stealing his water because that's where he's hiding his secret armor or something. I forget. But anyway, in uh, general, this is the bad president precedent set yeah so he shows him what for and then kaladin uses the uh dead guy carapace as armor to go and like dance around and he storm drinks and like dodges all the arrows basically draws all of the fire from the parshendi archers because he is doing something blasphemous in in their view and they're like all turn their attention to him and he gets like a little scratch on the cheek, but it heals and he wolverines it up instantly because of the stormlight. And lots then... of war crimes happening. Lots of war crimes. What, you mean the desecration of the corpses? Yeah. And then the flaunting them? <laughs> I mean... You see the steps Kaladin will take to protect his people. Kaladin like got war crimed on pretty bad, though. That doesn't make it okay. He's basically putting on a puppet show with their bones, my dude. Yeah. It is not in good taste. So once again... Yeah, but, 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 but Syl's okay with it, so... Yeah, it was her idea. So once again, we have yet another Sanderson book, and we have another episode where we sound psychotic. I mean, do we ever not? Maybe. Well, Shen does happen to see Kaladin, and he's like totally appalled and won't even look at Kaladin anymore. And then the uh, the decoy works like a charm and I think maybe nobody, I think like nobody in Bridge 4 is casualtied. Maybe some people on other bridges were, but it was mostly successful. They avoided almost any casualties on the bridge crews. But unlike and, the last time when they avoided casualties, they actually helped the fight rather than making it worse yep and metal is like uh <laughs> did you ever see that episode of the simpsons where ned flanders uh goes to the asylum and the doctors like starts it has homer come in to start asking him questions to try to get him angry and homer just starts making up stuff to, like to tick him off and then the one doctor says to the other doctor he's like did you write that and the other doctor's like uh, did you like it? <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's like, <laughs> was this your idea to have this this bridgeman go out and be a decoy? 
did you like it? <laughs> so, uh, of course, Hattal takes credit for it and gets promoted, but is still managing the bridge crews in later chapters. I didn't, I thought that this was kind of like partly to get Mittal and his wife off of Kaladin's back to like get them promoted and out of interacting with him, but apparently that's not what happened, but whatever. And, he get a pay raise. He gets a pay raise. Yeah. Uh, and Teft is like, Kaladin says, Teft, how come you're a bridge dude? And Teft is like, this is, I deserve to be a bridge guy. This is where I belong. And then Kaladin realizes that he is not cursed, which is good. But then it also causes him to feel guilty over not being skilled enough to save people in the past. And yeah, so. Kaladin feeling guilty? No, that's what's so out of character (laughs) for him. Yeah. Right. And then he mentions this woman named Tara, who at first I thought might have been the little girl that fell off the cliff and they couldn't save. But then I think later on he refers to Tara being in the army with him or something. So who's Tara? And then uh, so, man, this is so after this, this brilliant plan where Kaladin protects all of the bridge crews and gets Sadius's army safely across without like any casualties really. His Sadius's army is like, Well, we got the bridges down and we got across and then they just like run past the archers without taking care of them and just leave the archers behind to still pick off the bridge crews even after all that's happened. So they're about to be ripped, and then Dalinar shows up and cuts down all the archers. And they're like, some of them are like, oh, Dalinar saved us. And Kaladin's like, nah, he just wanted to kill some fools. But then, like, Dalinar winks at him. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, we we know Dalinar's character, but Kaladin doesn't. So, he's Hang on, you, you just threw a massive curveball at me. Dalinar winks at Kaladin? Well, he has to raise his visor <laughs> first. Not he, that like, kind of he, like, wink. Nods at like, him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not the fade out kind. Purely platonic wink. <laughs> oh man, I forgot that word had an extra connotation in this uh, podcast. That's, that's a wink, wink. Oh, but anyways, he gives him some kind of acknowledgement, like he raises his sword or nods at him or something like that. And Kaladin's like, "That guy, that dude, just say what's up." But he's a light eyes. He's probably still being a jerk somehow. And that's the end of chapter sixty-two. And we'll never know. Time for chapter 63. Chapter 63. Fear. Armoring and spearing practice in the chasm. Who's Tara? Moash out for blood. Kaladin and Pearl Jam say escape is never the safest path. Numuhuku Makiaki Ayalunamore thinks they may be able to convince Sadius they died during a bridge run. Kaladin can just, like, jump off a chasm, right, and use his stormlight to survive, and Sadius will be like, well, he's done for. Uh. Uh, the dudes want to see Kaladin show off again. Teft is a good sergeant. So, chapter 63 takes place during Chasm Doodoo, and uh, one of the guys, it's not Moash, I think. Some, one of the guys is, like, good at crafting the armor, so he makes uh, sets of armor. Layton. Layton. Pro- like, Professor Layton? No. No, Armor or Apprentice Layton. Uh, they're uh. related. It's the New Hampshire Layton. <laughs> <laughs> so, Layton makes some armor for everybody in Bridge 4. And Kaladin has everybody else spear practicing. And Teft 
He's kind of uh, Kaladin second in command at this point. He's like, real quick. What? You know how Sanderson likes to write uh, people into his book? Leeton is based on a friend of Brandon Sanderson in his writing group. From New Hampshire. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Utah seems more likely at that point. When was this book written? Almost exactly ten years ago. Back when Brandon lived in Utah. Yes, although that hasn't changed since then. So Teft, he's kind of the second in command at this point, of course. He's like, well, the dudes want to see you show off with the spear, what, like you did that other time. And Cowden says, oh, if I if I play with a spear now, then I won't be able to control myself. So I'm going to wait until combat starts before barbarian raging. And that's about it for this chapter. All right. So that leads to your homework assignment from me, which is uh, who does Moash want to kill? And I will even shrink the possible uh the possible choices to it is a character that we have seen shin wow that's harsh uh let me also say that whatever answer you give i'm neither going to confirm nor deny you're going to get a rafo but i do want to hear what uh, who you think it could be all right and that's for next week sure (laughs) dave is so thrilled with having homework any questions about chapter 63, other than what Mike just said? Nah. All right. On. Get on to the good chapters. Dang. Cal- Kaladin, take the back seat. We got a Dalinar chapter coming up. Well, let me read the bullet points. All right. Chapter 64, A Man of Extremes. Shh, is harder to say than Tvalkov. The tower is pupillating. You know it's serious when we change viewpoints mid-chapter. <laughs> 35 carapist dudes. Uh, Daddy you, is not deranged. Adeline are you saying forces. there's a Sander tsunami coming up? Uh, no. Okay. That already happened way back in the last book when they <laughs> killed the animals and the <laughs> ranger dude. in the previous book. <laughs> uh, 35 carapist dudes. Daddy is not deranged. Adeline's horse is named Shoreblood. Let's end this war. All right, 64, Nivani and Dalinar are chilling out. And Nivani says the name of Dalinar's wife, but every time Dalinar hears someone say his wife's name, he just hears it as shh, 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 shh. So that's part of his curse, I guess. Like, he had his memories deleted, and he can't even know what his wife's name was. And anytime someone says it, he hears it as gibberish. So what do you think her name is? And you cannot guess Moonchild. Why would I guess Moonchild? Never-ending story, man. Right? When have I ever mentioned that I've ever seen that movie? That's her name. Ashton gives her a name, and it's Moonchild. It's not in the movie, actually. It's only if you've read the book. You can sort of hear it, I think. I I remember watching it on YouTube. I'm like, can you actually hear him? And there's lightning and thunder, so you can't really hear it. But it sort of sounds like Moonchild. I think you'd have to know that's what it was in order to pick that out of all the noise. If you Maybe don't know, you ain't going to hear it. If you turn on the closed captions on YouTube, like the auto <laughs> captions, maybe it would say something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like... Uh, now I get your joke. Yep. You came full circle. <laughs> Let's move Is on. Is it Beatrix Kiddo? No. Tricks are for kids. I should have been Black Mamba. <laughs> 
That's like my favorite line, and it's ten minutes into the movie. <laughs> it's a pretty good line. Alright. Um so yeah, there is a chasm fiend pupillating on the tower, which is, you know, the one of the plateaus, the biggest strategically important and close to the Parshendi side, and they've never uh, won a, a combat on this one. You will remember the tower from before when Kaladin oopsied and made everybody die there by carrying the bridge sideways. Um, there we go. We switched from Dalinar over to Kaladin, and they're deploying the bridges, and everyone in Bridge 4 has carapace armor, except Chen. He's not here. He called in sick. Um, and, you know, they actually have several people in Bridge 4 acting as decoys. They don't have the ability to drink Stormlight like Kaladin, but Kaladin's drawing the bulk of the attention. And the Parshendi, the Parshendi know that Kaladin is the one behind the desecration, and they're focusing most of their arrows on him. And he has to just barely dodge them. If he makes it look like they don't have a shot at hitting him, then they'll probably change target. So he has to try to almost get hit by every... 500 arrow that comes at him so that sounds kind of tough and then i guess we go over to adeline and he's like uh i'm glad your visions aren't crazy talk and his horse is named shoreblood which i think as for a horse i think i like gallant better than shoreblood and then that's such a paladin horse name <laughs> daladin <laughs> daladin <laughs> And then they're like, let's go in this war. So they're hoping that uh, they'll be able to do enough damage to the Parshendi army in this assault to turn the tides of the war and hopefully start bringing it to a close. And they're getting ready to go out on the assault. And that's the end of chapter 64. Chapter 65, the tower. When does Kaladin win an oath stone? Sadius's army is still jerks. Who gets shot in the foot? Not Teft. Blackthorn percent. Is the thrill just drinking Stormlight? Dude, he can drink Stormlight from his shards. Second Parshendi army? Sadius is a jerk. So, we're starting out with Kaladin, and the army still aren't, like, handling the archers after they cross. They're being total jerks. And... I was just thinking if Kaladin, like Kaladin needs an oath stone so that somebody can, so that he can be like a perma slave. Like that's probably how this is going to work out. Like he's got the lashing that he's starting to figure out how to use. And yeah, he's basically the next Zeth. So when does he get to win an oath stone to give somebody so that he can be owned? Get owned. All right. So some of the decoys and what are, and bridge four are getting shot at. And the one guy gets shot in the foot, and he's like, ow, who gets shot in the foot? Oh, man. But then not Teft, because he got shot in the shoulder. And so Kaladin is uh, working on surgeonizing these two guys. And then we cut over to Dalinar, and the thrill is uh, coming out, and he's slaughtering a bunch of dudes. And then Sadius bees a jerk and retreats and takes all of the bridges with him and abandons Dalinar and Adeline and his honor guard and like his army. Like they Dalinar and his army just abandoned on the tower with two full Parshendi forces coming at them. And that's the end of chapter sixty five. So 
I was actually thinking there's one line in this chapter where it Dalinar is mentioned to be breathing deeply from the thrill. And the thought of putting like the breath with the thrill kind of reminded me of how Kaladin breathes in the stormlight from the spheres. And so like, I wonder if Dalinar has the simple, like a similar power where he actually can drink the stormlight and, you know, gain strength from them. And dude's got shard plate, which is leaking stormlight when it gets cracked. So he's got like all of the stormlight around him. And if he's able to drink it and gain powers, that's just okay. Rafo. What do you mean? I mean, Rafo, you're not getting an answer to any of those questions. That wasn't a question. I'm just telling you what's happening. And that also kind of reminded me how Shalon has memories with a capital M because Thrill is capitalized and Shalon's memories are capitalized. So I wonder if Shalon's ability to take pictures in her in her brain head are somehow related to Stormlight abilities as well. And uh, so Dalinar has shards and so does Shalon and Kaladin has killed a shard bearer. So I wonder if that's anyway related even though kaladin didn't take the shards that's kind of the confusing bit but and also other shard bearers like adeline and sadius don't seem to have these powers or maybe not know about them and yeah so kind of wondering how the stormlight plays into this power of the thrill and also shallan's power of memory and i'll be thinking of that moving on and so let's move on to chapter 66 the chapter icon is a lie so the chapter icon is the Dalinar icon, but it starts off with Kaladin. Now, Will, what do we even believe? <laughs> chapter 66, Codes. Will Kaladin save Dalinar? Sadius reminds Kaladin that he, Sadius, is a jerk. I told you so are not the most important words a man can say, Adeline. Time to die. But is Dalinar better at dying than Spook? And that's <laughs> the end of this week's chapters. Uh, shout outs to the diagram leaving me hanging here to see if Dalinar actually perishes or not. Just hey, like Dave, I got a speaker for you. You can blame Tori. I'm blaming the diagram. Yeah, guess who the author of the diagram is? Brandon Sanderson. Okay, that's true. So, Kaladin sees what's up. Uh, he sees that Sadius is retreating and has to gather his crew up and, like, they had to go and yell at all of the bridge crews to be ready, but Kaladin actually is actually paying attention to what's going on. And he's like, oh, we're retreating now. Okay, guys, get ready to retreat. And then he's like, wait a minute. Sadius isn't even injured. Why is he abandoning Dalinar on the plateau? <gasps> he's abandoning Dalinar on the plateau. And Sadius... Sounds like a jerk move, but I'm, I'm not convinced yet. You're not convinced yeah, that Sadius is a jerk? <laughs> show show okay. your work, okay? Okay, ready? Extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof. Sadius's last line in that scene of the chapter. I told you, old friend, Sadius said, voice soft but distinct, overlapping the distant screams. I said that honor of yours would get you killed someday. He shook his head. It doesn't sound to me like Dalinar's honor had anything to do with him getting killed right now. It's circumstantial. <laughs> Need more proof. Alright. What if I told you that Sadius is an even bigger jerk than Zane? Okay, that requires some okay, that, so that like... is a legit extraordinary claim. <laughs> Show me the smoking shard blade. <laughs> <laughs> so well, Sadius doesn't have a shard blade, hello. Um and I actually wonder if he somehow 
set this up that he would get the shards. Like I know that he he's plotted this for quite some time and planned to betray Dalinar, but I know that he also wants power. So he, I wonder if he somehow figured out a way to do this and recover the shards from Dalinar and Adeline. But mm. so anyway, here's a, so you know how Zane left the window open so that the mist could eat the pizza. Yes, I know exactly <laughs> that. Yes, do go so, on. Sadius would be actually, instead of leaving the window open to have the mist eat the pizza, he would eat the pizza himself. And not only that, he would world hop all the way over to Scadrial just to eat Vin's pizza. Like, if there's effort to be jerky to someone, Sadius will do it. Yeah. Okay, I believe it. Quid pro quo. I mean, <laughs> QED. <laughs> Quid pro quo. <laughs> What does QED stand for? Like, it follows that or something like that? It's the GED, so high school equivalency, but for Qs. Quas- Qu- for the Q- quaint, quaint, enough, quaint enough diploma. Yeah, it's the high school equivalency for the Q continuum. There's only, like, we've only met two of them. Q and demonstratum. According, yeah, okay, according to Sadius the Jerkwad. Uh, who is also Fel Knight. And what was his name before that, Craig? Fel Knight? But after that. Wasn't he Gaz before. at one point? He was also Tablaka, if I seem to recall. Yeah, he yeah was. but who was he most recently before Sadius to Jerkwad? What was his name again, Craig? I don't remember. I can't, I can't, if I can't read it, I can't say it. Numu, Maki, Aki, Isla, Luna. Mm, no, that wasn't it. Did you say Isla, like from Chrono Trigger? Isla? By the way... Chrono Trigger is a good thing. It is a good thing. Anyway, let's let's continue with chapter 66. I believe what Craig was trying to say was Numuhuku Makiaki Ayalunamore. Oh, that does sound familiar. These guys. Anyway, so Adeline starts off saying, Oh, I told you you shouldn't have trusted Sadius. And Downer is like, I know. And then Adeline says, Oh, you, you walked us all to our doom. And Downer says, I know. But then eventually Adeline comes around and he's like, well, let's not play the blame game. I would rather you be fooled by Sadius than you turn out to be a person like Sadius. Mm, that is true. Here's the thing. I'm not sure those are the only two options. That is also <laughs> true. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. That's why Dalinar kind of prays that uh, Renarin will be wiser than he was. But I'm sure he doesn't pray that. I mean, at this point, the scenario is you can either be like Sadius and leave a bunch of your men to die because he has shard plate. He could run. That's true. But so, the journey, put journey before destination. That's right. Journey before destination. Yeah. So Dalinar would not do that thing. All right. So I have a couple thoughts here about overall plot things. And I was just thinking today, where did the Parshendi get the resources to obtain a Shin Assassin? So... Sazeth kills King Gavilar. The Parshendi take credit for it uh, willingly. But why? how did they actually come to hire Sazeth? Did they just happen upon his oath stone somewhere? Or did somebody actually help them to take down King Gavilar? Like, Pop, I don't necessarily so- want to accuse uh, Sadius of regicide, but he's the most likely person right now. He's... He is pretty jerky. So you don't think the Parshendi actually had the Oathstone? Or you think they he sold it to the Parshendi? 
Yeah, either he sold the stone to the Parshendi or he said, you know, oh, I can help you get rid of King Gavilar since he's been desecrating all of your chasm fiends and stealing their gem hearts and killing your elderly or youth, whatever they happen to be. So we know how the Oathstone left Shinovar because we we have the merchant. We have that interlude chapter, right? Yeah. So we, we know he had it at one point and he sold it to somebody. So that's the start of how the Oathstone got out. Uh, I was thinking that was after King Gavilar was assassinated, but maybe no, it was, that was before. before. Okay. And then we have the path of the Oath Stone with a few bits and pieces missing, but we have most of it from Gavilar's assassination to current day. Yeah. Which is someone gets it, they use Zeth for menial tasks for a while, but he's too smart and calm and they get nervous, so they give it to someone else. Yeah, and then someone else has him kill the King of Yakovet. Among a lot of other nobles. I mean, well, there's a few more steps than plan. that, but yeah, that that is the end but result. But the question currently. is, who hired Sezeth to kill King Gavilar? Was it actually the Parshendi, and did they act alone, or did they have some other agent that uh, hooked them up with Sezeth? That's the question. That is, is a, a very good question, and there is an answer to it, and I'm not going to tell it to you. Okay. And so Sezeth... Or rather, Sadius could possibly be working with the Parshendi also. Like, is he still working with them and helped uh, plan this abandonment of Dalinar? Like, it seems beyond Sadius's uh, modus operandum or possibly even his ability to actually understand that the Parshendi are mad at them for some reason. <laughs> like, I feel like it's beyond Sadius to actually realize that the Parshendi wanted to kill King Gavilar or something. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to do my best to only use information that we have a, that you have available to you now to sort of talk this out with you. Okay. Uh, so Sadius, early on in the, in the war, um, refused to acknowledge surrender and had all of the Parshendi that had surrendered killed. So I'm thinking an alliance at this point is unlikely. Hmm. It was also his idea to do the decoy thing when King Gavilar died. So maybe he ha he definitely has, you know, motivation to kill Gavilar and Dalinar, right? And then from the other direction, pretend that you are the Parshendi, and these two armies show up, and then one of them just leaves. Are you going to just ignore that first army that's still there? Or are you going to capitalize on, on some internal politics that you don't understand and you don't care about because it lets you do better in the war that you've been losing for six years? Yeah, so I guess Sadius isn't likely to be working with the Parshendi right now. But I don't know. Or, and he wasn't necessarily working with them before. And then but there's I wonder the how thing much where, he actually knows that. Well, then there's the thing where the Colin boys represent two full sets of shard plate and shard blade which would be just a game changer moving forward for the parshendi i'm not even, not even 100% sure that the parshendi have shard bearers like down our mentions having seen one before but i'm not i don't know there's probably a lot of stuff going on with the parshendi that the alethi are assuming yes that is correct like, I, I, I still don't think that the Parshendi are actually harvesting gem hearts at all. 
but that's kind of every time you get an Alethi viewpoint, which is all of the characters right now, I guess not Shalon, but she's not here right now. Anytime you get someone on the Shattered Plains, they're like, oh, the Parshendi got to the plateau first and they're harvesting the gem heart. That's what that character thinks the Parshendi are doing, but I'm not convinced that's that they're actually going to harvest the gem hearts. I don't think that's what the Parshendi are doing. I think that's a valid concern. So it, on the same vein, it's possible that they don't actually have shard bearers either. But it looks like it's shard plate. Well, yeah. But they're like basically Zerg, right? So they've got some Zerglings and they've got some Ultralisks. And you, if you see an <laughs> Ultralisk, you might think that guy's got shard plate. Okay. That is what I think when I see an Ultralisk. <laughs> <laughs> do we right. have any more Dave theories for this week? Or did we talk yeah, about I, I also have another question about the Visions. So the Visions told Dalinar to trust Sadius, but at the same time, they're telling him good things like, Follow the codes, unite them, whether unite them refers to uniting all people of Roshar, uniting Elithkar, whatever. So it seems to be telling him good things, but it also told him to trust Sadius. Was it just wrong about Sadius? Uh, was there, is it actually some deceptive force that got him to trust Sadius? And I just had a thought, maybe there's some kind of like inception Fabriel that Sadius was able to use to influence Dalinar's visions. Uh, but I think the most likely thing is just that it was, is that Dalinar ought to have trusted Sadius because of some, because it was in some way the honorable thing to do. Even though, Sad, I think I actually mentioned this really early on, that just because Dalinar should trust Sadius for whatever, there could be other reasons outside of Sadius actually being trustworthy. So it might have to do with having a good journey or it might have to do with like something else is going to happen even though even if Dalinar perishes an ultimate good will result from him having trusted Sadius so I think it's going to be something along those lines most likely but I'm leaving it open to the possibility maybe Sadius or some other uh some other malicious force influenced uh, Dalinar's vision somehow if only there was a way to acquire these answers, something that we could do to find out, maybe read and find out. I don't know. It's controversial, Tori. Uh, so I tried that, but when my book ends at chapter 66, the pages, the next pages don't appear until after the recording somehow. And then we never stop recording. Uh, so before we get rid of Dave, I do have one thing I want to touch on real quick, which is how nonsensical is Dalinar's big speech here in this last chapter to his troops who aren't privy to like the private conversations that he has with Adeline and the visions and all of that. I didn't think of it that way. Like go back and I read that. And it's like, it sounds vaguely encouraging, but without the context of all the other stuff going on, it's just, it's rambling nonsense. And yeah. Just from the perspective of his troops, like, yay, I guess. We, I mean, we follow the codes, not because they bring gain, but because we loathe the people we would otherwise become. I think that stands on itself. I don't. I think that is deeply steeped in the context of, of like, other conversations he's had with, you know, Adolin and, and Navani and all of that. I mean, 
maybe not all of them. I mean, they probably don't all know the codes, but like they know about them and they know about Dallin are like, I think it's, I don't see it as out of place. All right. Well, that's all I wanted Dave here for. So bye, Dave. Enjoy reading, Dave. Bye, Dave. Oh, yeah. Are you going to go straight into reading or are you going to save it till right before we record again? I'll probably spread it out. I like to have a little bit of time to mull over all the stuff in my brain, but I also don't like it to be too long of a gap. Then I just forget stuff. I mean, for Fair the record, enough. when I was doing my read, it's really hard to stop reading in part four and onward. Yeah, we are we are well into the ending of the book right now. Oh, yeah. I have two episodes left. Yep. And then an overview. There you have it. That's the end of this week's chapters. All right. Bye, Dave. Bye, Internet. Bye, Dave. I mean, Internet, goodbye. <laughs> Cut it out so that I just say Internet, goodbye. <laughs> Not gonna do that. <laughs> and Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. All right, what do we have for spoiler stuff now? Um, I don't think I have much related to these chapters. Why don't we answer like it's Dave's sort of questions that we couldn't answer before? Yeah, the Rafos? Yeah. Time to find out, guys. So, Zeth was picked, purchased by the Parshendi uh, from one of the assassins that Yasna keeps on retainer. Uh, we find that out in either the prologue to Words of Radiance or the prologue to Oathbringer. I don't remember which. No, I think it's Words of Radiance. That's the Yasna prologue. Uh, okay, the Oathbringer yeah. one is Shonai's prologue. Right. Okay. So yeah, uh, that's when we find that out. And apparently they bought a slave because they didn't believe that slavery was a real thing. So they wanted to try it out. Right. Yeah. And it just so it happened, happened that, the... yeah, that... by, by sheer coincidence, they got the deadliest man on Roshar. So that was for the name. Clade is the one who eventually buys quote-unquote Zeth um but it's it's the the five the the leaders of the Parshendi who happen to own him at that time uh what else did he ask um he, he's still talking about the Parshendi if they're actually getting gem hearts or if they're up to something else they really are harvesting gem hearts uh yes it, because okay so they take the gem hearts which are which they then infuse with stormlight and then they crush them up and bury them with their plants to encourage plant growth so that they can feed themselves faster. Um, and because... they re- as Shonai really does have a shard plate and shard blade. Yep. And yeah, we they don't they don't have any soul casters. So this, right. is, this is the way that they can use Stormlight to to feed themselves. But Dave's keeping an eye out. Um, now, he, he's thinking there's some big plot with Sadius. Sadius would never kill Gavilar. Like we know that, especially from the Oathbringer, uh, the the early chapters, whatever that word is that I can't think of. Prologue, apparently. not the prologue, the early, oh, you the know, flashbacks. the chapters. Flashback, that's the word. The flashback chapter. Um, but Sadius would not betray Gavilar. But it was sort of like them three were a unit, and of course, once Gavilar starts going all Sons of Honor, and Dalinar starts following a similar path with focusing on honor, Sadius is like, man, this sucks. I don't like these guys anymore. Well, he doesn't like Dalinar anymore. 
and thinks he he should get a good death on the battlefield, which is why he betrays him in this in these chapters. But I'm not sure how much power Sadius actually wants. Like he probably could somehow figure out how to be High King, uh, but he has to get through Dalinar first, which is probably the the issue. But I don't think that's his ultimate plan. He just yeah, I think he just wants to stay High Prince and not have to deal with like trying to rule the other High Princes. Right. But still have the option to, you know, go to war with them if if he gets bored. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, the other big thing that Dave was asking about was the thrill, uh, which is entirely Ooh. separate from Stormlight. It's It comes from one of the Unmade, and said Unmade basically follows around the, like, the biggest Alethi army because they're, they're the fightiest. Right. And he makes, them, he makes them want to be fightier. Yep. It's uh you, we get more information about this of course in the Dalinar chapters in Oathbringer because we actually get to see what the thrill does to him in the past and then his thoughts about it in in the present day. Um and it's really interesting because the thrill is sort of like an addiction. It's you're you're chasing this bloodlust and it makes you feel good about fighting and killing so much so that you can even be blinded by who you're attacking, because uh, there's one instance where Dalinar tries to fight Gavilar because he he's just in the thrill and he just wants a challenge. Um, I would say that Dalinar definitely was addicted to the thrill, so yes. it it certainly has some addictive properties. Um, he supplemented that by an additional addiction to alcohol. Yeah, and then when he tried to give that up, he tried out uh, what is it the the moss stuff? What is that called? Fire moss. Fire moss which didn't do anything for him. Um, but yeah, the thrill itself, uh, especially as you get someone like Kaladin or eventually Dalinar, as they become a Radiant, they can't really interact with the thrill anymore. It's sort of like you either get Stormlight because you're, you're for honor, essentially, or you go with the thrill, who's an unmade, who's one of Odium's uh, minions. So it's yep. like you get one or the other, which is why... As we've seen in these chapters, Dalinar, because of him uh, listening to the Way of Kings, uh, the in-universe book, that is, and following those ideals, is moving away from something that the thrill would be able to... Uh, it's a, so the thrill is passion. It's, it's, it's the passion and bloodlust for fighting. And as we know, Odium sees himself as passion. So anytime we see the words about passion or some kind of strong emotion, just think about what that means for Odium versus uh someone like honor and cultivation and there are other references to passions throughout the book so just something to keep an eye out for but yeah in the case of the thrill it's it's that passion for bloodlust and you're removing that by following the code i would argue with you a little bit on odium seeing himself as passion i think he claims that oh, i he don't claims it, yeah he definitely claims it i don't know that he actually believes that and I'm 100% certain that he's lying about it. He, so we know him as, as strong hatred. Like, it, odium is an actual word. Um, he claims he's passionate, but there are references throughout the books. Like, as I'm doing my reread, I'm catching things. When there's strong emotion, it seems to lean closely towards odium in some way. And the Thalans believe in the passions. Yeah, as, as a pseudo religion, they're also Vorin, but or but they also believe yeah. in the passions, which could be Odium influence. It's just it's just something 
not necessarily that he is strong passions so much as that he uses strong passions and emotions, or he can influence those. So I want to I want to put the emphasis on that, not so much that Odium is passion, so much as that he uses it. Okay, or, I can I can person. get behind that in in like the same way that that Ruin was able to influence people who were spiked or mentally ill. Yeah, and also yeah. Uh, being able to change writing. This is this is sort of his sphere of influence. I can get yeah. behind that. That's actually I didn't even think about it to that extent. That's a good point. Uh, what else we got? Um, I sort of want to talk about Shalon, but it's we can not save really Shalon. She's after. she's coming back either next week or the no, week no. after. I want to make a mention to her abilities and her taking a memory since Dave mentioned it, and he he sort of reminded me. Um, this is sort of. A real quick thing, something we can keep an eye out for as we, especially once we get into Words of Radiance, which I know is going to be a while from now, but something to put the seed in there so we can think about it. I think I mentioned this before, but Shalon changes or looks into identity. Like that's the capital I identity. That is what she influenced. Similar to Shy from Emperor Soul, she's able to manipulate someone's identity, especially her own in some way when she does her drawing. Um, when she just draws someone, she's looking at their identity, putting it, you know, into art, into paper, and she can tweak it slightly by making someone seem more proud or, or better in some way. And they tend to embrace that because it's just a small tweak and they say, yes, this is, this is what I could be. Like she sort of sees the potential and makes it so. Uh, but in order for her to do that, she has to have a bit of a connection. Because this is, again, this is just how this works. She has to have a connection with the person. She can't just draw a random spearman that she never really met before and be able to change his identity. And if you notice, especially in Words of Radiance, as she interacts with people in her group or who she travels with, she gets to know them. And she did it in this book as well. She gets to know them. Then she takes a memory of them and puts it down. Um, and that's yeah. when it can be influenced and make them be a better person. But in general, she is messing with identity. And as we get into Oathbringer and she has her multiple personalities where she has Veil and Radiant, it's interesting because these are two other identities that she created for herself. And this is the case where she's changing her own identity back and forth. And that's probably why she develops this disorder. Oh, that's... That's good, since you already brought up Shy. Her, um, gosh, what are they called? The ones, the stamps that she uses on herself. The soul stamp? Well, the soul stamp is sort of a general. She has, she has, like, the five specific, like, alternate personalities for herself. Okay. What are those called? I don't know. I don't remember. I'm blanking I on I don't remember two. either. But, yeah. Essence marks. Essence marks. So. Spell night. You, it sounds like you're saying, uh, that. Shalon has basically created two essence marks for herself. Right. That are just available whenever. But the problem is she sort of goes into them back and forth. So Shai has the actual marks that I think she just uses on herself, but she replaces them. She doesn't keep multiple on her at once, right? Right. I'm trying to remember. So I think that's no, sort just, of the issue it, that Shalon It's has. just one at a time. So Shalon sort of has all three her own and the two other sub identities at once and that's why i mean plus she has psychological issues on top of that um it's it's the combination of all these things that's sort of making her splinter her brain into these three different identities 
So light weavers are a support slash buffing class. Yeah, because because of, of the light weaving ability itself, definitely. I'm not sure if all light weavers mess with identity, but I it sounds like that would be their specialty, one of their specialties. Being able um, to I th- I think more. tying what we see of Shalon together with some of the uh, epigraphs from Oathbringer, I I think that's that's pretty well confirmed. Is that they they do that that they're they're okay. basically a buff class. Yeah. Whereas Yasna is DPS. See, I would I would call Windrunners and Skybreakers your your primary DPS. Well, she's the mage. She's the caster DPS. All right. Whereas Windrunners Wind melee. And Skybreakers. And Skybreakers, sure. Where Stone Wards are your tanks. Yeah, yeah. Or actually, no, your your DPS is really the uh, the Dustbringers. Oh, yeah. Man, we, we got to learn more about these other... Like, we need characters with viewpoints of, of these different orders so we can really get... Like, we have a good idea of Windrunners. We have a good idea of Light Weavers. We got a decent idea about Bondsmith. It's it's still sort of we're learning it because Dalinar is really the only one. Bondsmith um, is your is your leader class. But like, what about these others? We need well, Skybreakers are your paladins. Uh, I'd actually go with like Urban Rangers, so they're more of a cop class. Mm, yeah, that'll do. Anyway, I just wanted to talk about Shalon and notice that she is changing or looking into people's identity. It's a reason she's having she has trouble uh, in the beginning of Oathbringer actually trying to draw the tower because there's an unmade that's sort of feeding on it. And it's just she can't she can't get the proper identity of the tower itself so she can put it onto paper. She's seen too much. All she's right. sort of that infinite. Also, something else that we want to keep in. This is not Shalon, but related to her. There's a lot of fractals in this world. Roshar itself is a fractal. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact name of it, but the design of the world, uh, the land that is, is a fractal. Pattern is this constantly changing fractal type shape. Uh, so, Sadius the Jerkwad says it's a Julia set. Yeah, that's the one. Or yeah. knowing Brandon, a Yulia set. <laughs> But yeah, lots of fractals, guys. Something else. And hopefully Dave, I mean, he he probably won't see it until uh, Pattern pops up in Words of Radiance, but he'll enjoy it because he's a math buff. All right. Before we finish out for the week, I have a question for Tori. Okay. What order would Commander Vimes be in? And would he be oh. any good in that order? Oh, man. Because who? Need your uh, Commander Vimes from Discworld. Uh, knee-jerk I reaction, I want to go Skybreaker because he's a cop, but I don't yeah. feel like he would fit in very well at all with the Skybreakers. Right, because, yeah, oh man, uh, because the Skybreakers are like, if if we've got to kill somebody because we think it's right, we're going to do it, and... Like, 71-hour Ahmed yeah. is, Hold on. Hold is on. a Skybreaker, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for sure, for yes, sure, for sure. very much. Yes, I agree. Hold on, um, guys. Real quick... Although Nail is the herald of the Skybreakers, that doesn't mean he perfectly does the Skybreaker ideals. Except that he's also a fifth level, like, full member of the Skybreakers, which means, yeah, he does. But it depends on which ideals he made and who he decided to follow in terms of justice. I I think we're going to see more when we see Zeph continue with his ideals and see how he approaches situations. Because although things are up to interpretation, I, I... I don't know. I feel like we're confusing a little bit of what Nail would do. Well, okay. The core thing the of the Skybreaker is, is putting someone else's 
or something else's judgment ahead of your own. Yes. And Vimes would not do that. Yeah, that is that is absolutely not Vimes's thing. However, he teaches all of his coppers to do the right thing and not what he would do. It's just yeah. that he trusts his own judgment more than literally anything else. Or Ishars. Ishars. Mmm. Oh man, that's such a good question. Uh, actually, Sadius, uh, he asks, wasn't Nail's fifth ideal, I am the law? I think that's like the fifth ideal across the board is that the Skybreaker then becomes the law. Yeah, so like we have to say Skybreaker, but I don't know. But he jumps straight to the fifth ideal and doesn't follow the other four? Right? Or the other three, I guess. Called the ideal of law, this ideal requires the Skybreaker to swear an oath that they will become a personification of law and truth. I am the law. But the th- yeah, the thing with Vimes is if any of his officers pulled the crap that he does, he would be extremely upset with them. The only reason he lets himself get away with it is because he is himself. Whoa, Seth did four ideals already? I didn't realize he was that advanced. Uh, no, he's sworn the third. He stated what he no, intends he to have as his fourth. fourth. No, he hasn't uh, sworn the fourth yet. He just stated what he what he intended for it, which is to cleanse Shinovar if Dalinar Colin will uh, allow it. I'm gonna have, well once I get to my reread, it, it's like late in Oathbringer. But yeah, because the Skybra- because the Skybreakers never disbanded, he has access to the information of of like how their order operates, what the various uh, oaths are in general terms, and he's already picked out what he intends. Although I think the Dalinar Colon thing was a last minute idea that he kind of ran with and and not really what he had planned. Well, you have to follow. I think the third ideal is that you have to follow something. You have to follow an external code. Right, exactly. Most of the Skybreakers, most of the Skybreakers, according to Nail, choose to follow him. Yeah. As as their third ideal. Which is super scary considering he's not right in the head and they're all following him. Yeah, if he were a little more sane, he would probably tell them not to do that. Yeah. But at the same time, if he were a little more stable, then they wouldn't, or he wouldn't let them, or they wouldn't want to. I don't know. Or, like, it wouldn't be as bad for them to, I guess. So, yeah. Because he's too far gone to recognize that it's a bad idea for people, it's a bad idea for people. I'm hoping we're going we're gonna to see more of the Heralds, or at least those that are currently existing uh, in Rhythm of War. Uh, I mean, we kind of have to. They Two of them showed up for, you know, the Battle of Thalen City and yep. are, are now available to the good guys. To, to I mean, the Deathblade is happening. They better do something. And we already know that in the back five, the plan is for Talon to have a book and for Ash to have a book. So, yeah. Really makes me wonder where these books are going to go. Like, what we're going to have after book five. Is Odium going to continue being the big bad, or is it going to be worse? Is it going to be something bigger? Like, what's happening? Um, I think Odium's going to be freed from the Roshar system by the end of five. But I'm not sure that, that would Race will still be the holder of Odium's shard. Hmm. Interesting. Because I feel like for for the end of the first section... You need to have a partial win, but mostly to be a downer. Yeah. And I feel like killing race, but having someone else take up the shard of Odium who isn't bound to the Rosharan system anymore fits that. That's one way to deal with it, yeah. 
and and he's uh, Brandon Sanderson's no stranger to killing off who we think is the big bad early on. Like we see Lord Ruler is killed after the first Mistborn book when a normal fantasy uh, trilogy would have Lord Ruler being the big bad for all three. Yep. So definitely something is going to happen with ODM by the end of book five. No doubt. And that's that's a good one, Mike. I think I think I give you good odds for that being true. What you said uh, to dig myself even deeper into this hole of tying myself <laughs> to a theory. Uh, I think it might be Moash who picks up the shard. You think Moash is our odium replacement? Oh, God. I don't know. I I feel like there's some setup with Moash, but he's not. What if it's Taravangian? What if it's Ishar? Oh, God. Those are both think bad choices. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, Moash has a connection, and you do need that sort of connection. Taravangian doesn't really have that hatred and the passion to have that that full connection with Odium. He just interacted with Odium. Okay, well, we'll just have to wait and see. All right. I think I'm going to go ahead and call it for the week. We're we're sitting at a good hour and a half, so probably minus like 10 or 15 minutes for pauses. I'll let Dave read eventually. So, all right. Uh, oh, we're also getting pretty close to Brandon starting his uh, Way of Kings leatherback Kickstarter, hopefully, uh, which one of the things that you can get from that will be the novella, the new Stormlight novella. So once that comes out, that's going to be when when future, future, future Dave has to stop listening to the spoiler sections. But uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Good night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.